0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Chicago Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez, and lately I write about the unwritten rules, the Cubs' offensive woes, and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. Andy is not with us today, but we have quite the treat for you. We're joined by some friends of the show from... Tiger Sports uh, Radio Daily, uh, Raj Castillo and Chris Brown. Hey.
1: Hello. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having us.
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourselves, and thanks for joining me as we preview this Cubs Tigers series.
2: Well, uh, first and foremost, yeah, Sarah, thank you for having us on. So uh, the both of us uh, host the show, Tigers SRD, that you can find on the Tiger Minor League Report Network, and both Chris and I are the co-experts over at Motor City Bengals com, and so we're writing up a storm over there. And without the prospect coverage, we've been which we miss. I well, I miss. I don't, I can't speak for Chris on that, but uh, absolutely, yeah. And so now we're doing some video breakdowns too of uh, some pitching performances and kind of making our way into that and having a lot of fun with that.
0: Very cool. We will definitely get into some pitcher stuff. Did I just like make up in my head that SRD stands for something? Or- <laughs>
2: Uh, oh, no, 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 you're right. It's, it's sports Radio Detroit. And that was okay. a that I I co-starred with somebody else, but I'm transitioning in this. It's a really long, weird, unnecessary story, but it's, uh, at this point right now, it's, uh, we're just sticking with the brand at the moment. Tigers SRT is uh, the name of the show. So
0: cool. Cool deal. Thank you. I appreciate the background. So normally at this point we would kind of like banter a bit. And Andy and I would talk about this terrible series that the Cubs just had with the white Sox. Um, there were a lot of home runs. The White Sox hit most of them. Jose Abreu had like six or something stupid. It was not pretty in Wrigleyville. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I thought that today, since we're all kind of doing this central division thing, that is such a new type of baseball in the 60 game season, we could maybe talk about what both the Cubs have recently done and the Tigers have recently done and then come together with where they're at in their respective divisions. So, um, Raj, tell us what's going on with the Tigers right now and what we just heard.
2: Well, they just, they took the series in Cleveland for the first time since September of 2018. But more importantly, <laughs> uh, the biggest, the biggest part of this whole weekend was they broke a 20 game losing streak against Cleveland. And it was sad considering that the Indians are down two of their best pitchers right now with Plesac and, and Clevenger. But they went out and there was a Chris, what was that? I think it was you today that tweeted that stat that the Tigers were in a dangerous category with
1: 10 or more strikeouts in a game in a row, something like that. Well, yeah, that was, that was based on, uh, John, was it John Welter? Yeah. Uh, John, yeah, was, yeah they, The Tigers had struck out 10 plus times in the last four games and they were one away from doing it for a fifth straight game, which would have been the second most in team history. But, uh, and that's, that's, you know, they were coming off a nine game losing streak before they took two or three from Cleveland of all teams. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's been a strange season. They, they started off okay, and, and then they were just awful. In the last couple of games, they've actually played like a real major league team again.
2: Yeah, especially after coming off the series against the White Sox. And the, the White Sox just – you saw it this weekend, Sarah. It, the lineup alone, just every time that a White Sox batter went up to, to the plate, it was just, is it going to hit home run? They're going to hit some hard contact, and that's exactly what it was. They spread it all over the field at in, in Chicago, and so – for Cleveland, going into Cleveland, I was petrified because Cleveland has the best ERA in the American League, and Tigers were able to hit some home runs this weekend, which was something they were lacking for uh, during the uh, nine-game losing streak.
0: You know, this—I mean, you hit it on the head with this White Sox team. I, um, there's a lot of swing and miss in their game. Like, I think that they've got some weaknesses. I don't think they're going to win the rest of their games for the the entire year. Like, but that man they, they have some power in that lineup. And they're having a lot of fun and they're just kind of feeding off each other right now. Um, And so I forget exactly how many runs they scored in the series against the Cubs. I want to say it was like 18 ish. Literally all of them were off of home runs. Every single, every run the White Sox scored was like, what hit a home run, hit a home run again, back to back home runs. I was just like, and not, these were not cheap home runs. (laughs) These were like, 410, 415, Exit velocity through the moon, like it was insane. Uh, there's a ton of power in that team, and and I, I hate. I'm gonna get killed for saying this in the city of Chicago, but they're fun to watch. Like I, <laughs> I like Dingers and I like Dafflitz, and and I think this White Sox team is pretty fun. I don't know what what do you what do you guys think? What does Detroit think of the White Sox?
2: Chris, I'll choose on that
1: one. Well, yeah, traditionally, we're not big fans of the White Sox, you know, as a divisional (laughs) rival, but it is, yeah, we we agree, it's fun baseball to watch, and in some ways, it reminds me of the Cubs from a few years ago. We got all these young hitting stars, or, you know, not necessarily stars yet, but they're showing a bright future with Anderson and Luis Robert and Robert, I guess, and uh, Eloy Jimenez, and and it's, yeah, it's a fun team to watch. It's kind of annoying when they, I mean, Tim Anderson absolutely murdered the Tigers this year, just Homer after Homer. I think he homered to lead off a game three straight games roger is yeah that that's right? correct. yep <laughs> oh my god yeah so but I mean, yeah i was i was kind of curious how you know how they're viewed to Cubs fans if it's more like an annoyance they're probably not as uh hated as say the cardinals but is it uh, is there a lot of hatred there
0: so my understanding and and raj then i'll flip it to you like my understanding is that it, it kind of depends on if you're from chicago or not um Cubs and White Sox fans who grew up here and have known each other for years and had to like put up with being picked on when they were kids when the other team was good or whatever actually do seem to have like a solid amount of hate for each other. <laughs> um I I don't I don't have that hate. Like I didn't grow up in Chicago and I, I go down and watch White Sox games all the time. Um the Cardinals are far and away my number one foe, and frankly, I, I'm here for watching the White Sox do damage against the Cardinals. So um yeah, I don't. I think that it's a big deal in the city, but it's it really depends on if you're local or not. What do you think, Raj?
2: Well, for me, as a as a Hispanic in terms of you know, from the Cuban heritage myself from from my father's side of things, I I love the I love the White Sox because they have a good representation of the Hispanic or you know Latinx or however term that you want to use here. Call I mean just. I, that's what I love about him. I mean, and, and it goes back further. It goes back to the days of the meeting. you know, I know Carlos Gheon is, or is a guy, or Ozzy Gian rather, Carlos Gean let's take the Tigers. Ozzy Gian is a, is a polarizing figure in, in Chicago, but he was a manager that got it done and he was a pretty good shortstop too. And so I, from afar, have always admired the White Sox and how they've done things. They, when Tony LaRusso was there as a the manager back in the eighties, just something about, you know, even among my hat collection, I have an old '80s White Sox hat, and of course, I get a lot of crap for it from my family. Oh, it's a you know, it's a it's a division rival, and that's right. But when they had the logo, it was in the AL West, and that's my uh, <laughs> my way out of that. But no, it, it's it's all admiration the way they get things done. And I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf, I know, is kind of a polarizing owner down there, and he draws a lot of opinions. But honestly, I I, I really admire how they. To this team right now, it's just a fun team to watch. And if they get a couple starters, yeah, you know, the the, Ameri- the rest of the American league should be on um, alert for that.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. I Particularly the, the sort of swag and attitude and flair that the team has. I'm, I'm going to stop this white Sox love festival after this, because <laughs> we'll lose all of our listeners. Everybody will be like, I thought this was a Cubs podcast. Um, But one of the things that I really appreciate going down to White Sox games, the food, man, they've got that elote stand. It is awesome. They've got some solid taco options in the park. And my personal favorite as a Mexican-American, you know, you can go to a Modelo stand and they've got salt and limes right there. Like you don't even like they just presume that you need salt and lime for your beer, which is exactly how you were supposed to drink a cerveza. So uh, props to that. It's a fun team. I'm glad the Cubs are done with them for a little bit because that was painful to watch painful to watch and painful to watch in a way that it sounds like what I'm hearing from you Tigers fans might relate to because this Cubs team is maddeningly inconsistent they are either the best team in baseball lights out scoring all the runs and the pitchers are all throwing like eight innings or they are just awful (laughs) there's nothing in between it's like they're giving up nine home runs or they're hitting nine home runs uh and that can be pretty frustrating in a short season because those those streaks of like three or four games that look pretty bad that didn't used to feel like the end of the world, they, they feel sort of like the end of the world right now. I don't know if you all are on Cubs Twitter at all, but people were calling for a rebuild this morning and the Cubs have a three-game lead in the division. And I'm just <laughs> I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, to be there again. Boy, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it just looks from the outside. It looks like... Kind of what you might expect in a sixty-game season. There, there are a couple of big-time players in the Cubs who don't seem to be doing much of anything yet. Uh, you know, I saw what Brian just went on the EL or IL today, right? And uh, mm-hmm. seems like Javi hasn't caught fire yet. And nope. Nico Horner is, is not quite reaching his ceiling, but yeah, I, mean, I think it's just just the way it goes in a, a strange season like this.
2: And for what I saw your tweet this this uh, this evening earlier today about that, and I was kind of scratching my head a little bit. But then again, it's I mean seen it on Tiger's Twitter, they sit down they're the most hottest hitter in Jonathan Scope and all Tiger fans are all irate and then you hear later that Ron Gardner sad him out because Scope asked to because he was trying to rest a sore hamstring so, you know, I would love to, being your as a Cubs fan right now, you're sitting on top of the vision, you know, the Tigers are sitting in close to, based off winning percentage, quote unquote in fourth place right now heading into the series with the team that you have, the, you have the Cubs, but then you have the Twins right after them. The Twins are just one of the best teams in the American League. So I, I don't. I Cubs fans can kind of remind me sometimes of Braves fans, where there's just nothing. Nothing's ever good enough. I guess I don't, I don't know. It's just I'm not envious of that whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I feel like people need to not live and die on every single game, particularly in a 60 game season. I think it's just kind of making. Everybody go a bit crazy. Um, Last couple of notes about this Cubs-White Sox series before we put a lid on that. So the Cubs did manage to eke out one game. They won the series finale, so they did not get swept by the Southsiders, which, God, my my Twitter, I would have had to close Twitter. Like, I would have just had to walk away for a day. It would have been that bad. Um, But the ninth inning was a bit of an adventure. In fact, I'll, I'll go back to the eighth. The eighth and ninth inning were a bit of an adventure. I mean, you, Darvish, pitched a gem he went seven innings uh he was just killing it he has been striking out everybody his stuff looks electric and Kimbrel came in struck out the first two guys looked kind of like vintage Kimbrel, and then immediately walked two guys Jeffress came in cleaned that up got the first two outs in the ninth and then just started walking everybody and I was having a heart attack watching what should have been like an easy put a lid on it get your victory and go home um afternoon turn into a bit of an adventure so the late innings you should never walk away from a game with this Cubs team um and one other note that I want to talk about because it's literally the only time I've ever seen this at a baseball game did y'all see Edwin Encarnacion literally run over Laz Diaz <laughs> I
2: saw yeah, I saw I saw that earlier
0: <laughs> so I've never seen this before uh Edwin Encarnacion comes up towards first He is out. Anthony Rizzo tags him. And as he sort of like veers off the bag, he he lands on the bag odd. So instead of like going that straight line through the bag like you're supposed to do, he kind of starts venturing in towards the middle of the infield, right towards Laz Diaz, who happens to trip at the exact moment that will keep him from getting absolutely plowed into the ground um, by Edwin Encarnacion. And Encarnacion just kind of like jumps right over him. (laughs) You have to watch this. It is the most ridiculous thing I've seen this week. Um, I I never thought I would see a player literally run over an umpire, but I did.
2: Oof! Yeah, it's <laughs> well <When> I... <laughs> that I was going to imagine the umpire definitely is going to have to take like a, a, a like a nice soak or hot tub or whatever because yeah, it looks like he. I mean, Eric I a big boy. Oof!
0: Yeah, no, this would have worked out so bad for Laz Diaz, and like <laughs> I am not a fan of Laz behind the plate. Uh, as anyone who watched my Twitter feed today knows, but I, I don't want him to get demolished no. by Encarnacion. That would have worked out so poorly. Um, couple of notes from around the NL Central, and then we'll switch over to the AL Central, which y'all already told me a little bit about. Uh, but Harrison Bader hit a home run today, so the best fans in baseball think he is Mike Trout again. Be sure you catch that. Um I love every time the Cardinals think that Vader is Mike Trout. I don't know. Do y'all get to see the Cardinals enough to understand how ridiculous this comparison is?
2: N- Unfortunately. Well, fortunately, no, we don't get to see the Cardinals. enough. <laughs> I mean, we've had a couple of Cardinals podcast ga- uh, guests on and they're pretty cool. And they, and we joke about, you know, St. Louis is always like, oh, we're the best uh, baseball town <laughs> kind of thing. And so we always kind of joke around about that all the time, but um no, it, <laughs> that's, I can't even keep a straight face <laughs> hearing that.
0: Yeah, I can't really keep a straight face uh, with that one either. Chris, you've got any thoughts about the Cardinals and or who the next Mike Trout might be?
1: Uh, Maybe it's Dylan Carlson who just came up and hit, hit a home run today, I believe. But, uh, you know, I, I, I never get mad at fans for being a little bit. Excited about their young players, but yeah, let's, you know, be realistic here. Harrison Bader was what a third rounder for a reason. Second rounder, third rounder. Yeah. Um, you know, he played really good defense that one year. And, uh,
0: <laughs> and, yeah. and every now and again, he hits a home run. Uh, and yeah. when he does, he gets Mike Trout comparisons because baseball, um,
1: well, I guess maybe the best fans are just incredibly supportive, uh, to the point of <laughs> delusion.
0: <laughs> oh, seriously. I mean, you want to get them really started. Talk about Yadi Molina someday.
1: Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer?
0: Not even close. Not <laughs> oh. not even close. I if Yadi Molina is a first ballot Hall of Famer, Jason Kendall is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and Jason Kendall is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. So probably not
1: even qualified anymore. Huh? <laughs> I
2: have a healthy respect for the Cardinals, and ho- ho- I will say this: the one thing about the Cardinals is, as far as, far as I as far as I'm concerned. They there was a stat that our our friend over Tiger or Tiger Minor League tracker Keenan, posted that the, Tiger, the the Cardinals have not drafted a top ten pick, something like since the nineties, since JD Drew. 98, yeah, thank you, Chris. 98. And every year they get late round draft picks that are just draft picks and they make their farm system work. It's impressive. Because, I mean, considering what you're dealing with Detroit for the last 25, 30 years in terms of like looking at minor leaguers like uh like we do sometimes, it's I, I got to, you know, got to respect the Cardinals a little bit on that, um, on that regard, at least in that regard. But even just some of the the way they go about team building, is pretty impressive.
0: I, I will give props there, too. I think their farm system and player development. I mean, we in Chicago call it devil bird magic um, because <laughs> we don't like them very much. But every year some guy comes up and it's like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And why is he all of a sudden hitting 385 with the Cardinals? The Paul um, the
1: Youngs and Tommy Edmonds of the world.
0: Tommy Edmond, man. Yeah.
1: I see <laughs> yes. that they are they're second in the division at nine and eight, which is, uh, man, they're going to run that team ragged getting getting back all those games.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do y'all think about this with these outbreaks? Chris, you, you brought it up, so I'll, I'll go to you first. Like, I just, you know, it, it was wild to me this week that the Mets got shut down and it was just like, we all just kind of shrugged. We all just kind of were like, yeah, that happens now. It happens now that a team just gets totally shut down because of the coronavirus. Obviously. I, I don't know. What, what is the reaction to this been in, uh, in Detroit, Chris? Uh,
1: well, you know, I, it's kind of just, uh, I don't Nonchalance, I suppose. It, we, we haven't had anything like that. We've had a couple, uh, minor leaguers who got COVID, uh, you know, in the run up to the season. And that's what kept Tarek Skubal out for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, it's, you know, we're adaptable animals. <laughs> I think that's the, the hallmark of being a human. And uh, I don't know, I think everybody got used to, you know, it was kind of wild when the Marlins and then the Cardinals and lost all these games, but now we're just like, oh, it's one of those things again. And it, it feels like, you know, the the league can handle it as long as they're not like five outbreaks at the same time. And it's kind of, it's just strange how quickly we can get used to something.
0: Strange is exactly... Um... I think the entire last five months has been beyond strange. I, I, I don't know any time that's ever been like it. And I just, I, I feel like I say a prayer every night that people will just stay safe. Like everybody. Like I just want people to be safe. Um, and yeah. I Raj, is there anything you want to add there?
2: I, I mean, personal uh Issues aside with COVID, because you know, screw COVID, and a lot of different yeah,
0: right,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of from a baseball standpoint, I just I'm glad that the Tigers and the Indians are like. For, if we're talking, you know, coming back to the, the the vision theme, you look at the Indians and how they're handling Clevenger and Plesac, and saying, look, in the players are like, look, if you bring them back, we're going to walk out. I think that's that's how serious they're taking it, and I and I admire that too. And I think for for Detroit fans to see them playing throughout everything and keep it going. It's Chris said is right. It's, we're, we're just adaptable. It's just, it's, but it's strange to see this MLB like, Oh, do we, we have a plan? Of course we have a plan. <laughs> nope. We don't have a plan. It's, and it's ridiculous. Right. And, and that, that whole fly out of the seat of your arse um, idea of trying to coordinate as, as it stands, has just been, I mean, the subway series for everybody that, was looking forward to it for those Yankee fans and Mets fans, you get it canceled and you, you want to know what happened exactly. I mean, and we are getting back to Bader for a second. Allegedly, he was in a casino. So as for Cardinals fans, it's like, well, what the hell? Why, why, can't, why can't you just have some self-control and, and all that? But yeah, the, the rumors and stories behind it, all the hearsay behind how they got it, that to me is fascinating. Yeah, and
0: and, and I, I think those rumors are probably going to continue. Sorry, Chris, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I, I am kind of impressed by the way the Cleveland uh, players handle that, you know, because they've got Terry Francona and Carlos Carrasco both have serious health issues. Yep. And basically, like, yeah, if you guys aren't going to take this seriously for our manager and for our starting pitcher, then you leave and don't come back. And I'm just, I'm impressed by that.
0: Well, what's crazy about that to me is I feel like a couple of clubs have handled this better than the league themselves. To go yep. back to the point that MLB doesn't really seem to have a plan here, it's like, when the Marlins-Phillies outbreak happened, they, like, quarantined the Marlins and the Phillies, right, just to make sure. And then they – I don't know. They just decided that since no Phillies players got sick, that meant that they didn't have to quarantine opposing teams. They only had to quarantine the team that had been affected, not teams that they had played. Um, and, and I don't know how that decision got made. It doesn't sound like a decision that was made with much data. It sounds like a lot of wishful thinking to me. But the the next couple of outbreaks, they, like – you know, quarantined the Cardinals didn't quarantine, the twins quarantined, um, the Indians didn't quarantine who were the Indians playing right before that series, you know what I mean? Like it's, and they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and the, the Indians and even before that, the nationals, you know, the nationals had a vote where they were like, we're not going to go play the Marlins. So don't tell us these games are on because we're not going to Miami, uh, I don't know. It feels like the teams have actually been the ones doing all of the hard work here and all of the stand up work here. And I appreciate that. But it's terrifying that there's no plan or structure in place.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I, I think you know, as we, the run up to this was going on and we kept we were doing show after show with uh, with no actual baseball, we were kind of speculating that it almost felt like Major League Baseball didn't want a season necessarily. hmm. And so maybe they're not taking all the precautions because they, they weren't really like, they're like oh, this isn't going to work. And they're like, oh, man, it's we're, we're halfway through now. Now what? Because I, I, I can't imagine what's going to happen if there's an outbreak in like the final two weeks of the season. Like you, you can't make those games up. So I, that's going to be it gets really interesting to me.
0: Well, an outbreak late in the season or, you know, I, there are these rumors of like maybe MLB will try the playoffs in a bubble. I don't even know how they would do that. You need two weeks to establish a bubble. So I don't really think anybody's thinking these things through I I I would be happy to be proven wrong I think that having baseball back has been a really nice really nice like distraction for me but also I can't help but have this uneasy feeling that they're they're not doing a great job there um speak getting back to the divisions a little bit you know we got on Uh, A little bit of a tangent there, but the um, Pirates went on a little bit of a tear. They're up to 7-17 and now. I guess don't sleep on the Pirates, maybe. Uh, The Brewers and Reds are both five and a half games back of the Cubs at 11-15, and but the Cubs still have a three-game lead in the division heading into Detroit. Where are you all at, and what are you seeing in the NL Central? What can you tell us about the AL Central?
1: Well, I think Roger mentioned it before, the Tigers, they with these two wins, they climbed out of last place and into fourth place. But they're still, really? by, by run differential, they're the worst team in, in the AL Central and one of the five worst uh, teams in, in baseball, I believe. So, I don't know. It, it's weird. Like we said, there'll be games where they, they are up there and they seem to have zero approach, zero plan. They're striking out 14, 15 times. And then today, against Carlos Carrasco, they looked great. They, they were working long at bats and getting big hits, and it's it just it's bizarre.
2: Yeah, and, and the, the strange thing about the AL Central, too, that I've noticed so far among like the, the Royals right now, starting Matt Harvey a couple weeks back, I thought that was... You're going to see some of those stories where I mean, Matt Harvey's getting another chance, the the Gotham Knight. They used to call the Gotham Knight. It's so strange to me that they
1: did. but The Dark Knight, yeah.
2: The Dark Knight, sorry, Gotham Knight. I was thinking of the uh, uh, Matt, Batman, the animated series team okay anyway sorry um no it's it's just for for seeing the what you're seeing right now with the twins right now my favorite story right now has to be what they got in uh maeda who's been a stud and the ace that the twins definitely needed to go along with barrios who is off to a kind of a rough start but the twins are still getting to get done they're getting really good work from their bullpen to a certain extent, because, you know, T- uh, T- Taylor Rodgers, who's been really knocked like lights out, has been struggling a little bit as of late. But I mean, you, you had the back end of Clipper and Duffy and and, Rom- and Sergio Romo, who's that, that slider. It still does a lot of great work. And the twins have to me have impressed me. But honestly, Mayetta might be a, one of the best acquisitions offseason acquisitions out there so far.
0: I think that's true. I think Maeda was was a steal, and that no hitter that he took into took it into the ninth. Right? Mm-hmm. Am I making that up?
1: No, he did. I think it was. Yeah, that battle. was.
0: I mean, that was impressive work. His pitches were just dancing. It was outstanding. Um, we're gonna move along a little bit uh, in the second half to talk at, about this Cubs Tigers series preview. But before I do that, I just want to make sure that. We have all said everything we need to say about our last series. It sounds like both Cubs fans and Tigers fans had a bit of a rough weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I would say that this weekend was actually better, much better than the previous week and a half. So I think, and, and you know, Tigers fans just have been excited for the last week or so because we finally got to see some of the the, the top prospects. And uh, that's kind of going to be the the rest of the season is just enjoying what those guys can do.
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw it today. We saw Derek Scoville
1: come out there in
2: five Ks, and he's a lot of really good stuff to see from him and Casey Mize against Chicago. With the split finger. There's a lot to like about that, and in the future presented a little brighter than what we've seen recently. Because for Tiger fans, for a while now, it's everybody's just like every day free case the hashtag free Casey Mize, and I finally <laughs> came up. It was just, it was this monumental swell. Like, I don't care what the rest of the season Mize is here and the future is bright, but there's still this strange season to play. So I I was excited to see that he went out there and did well because then I didn't want to see what, if he didn't do well, with the fans would kind of, fans are actually showing patience. So it's nice and, and hopefully it's still realistic about it.
0: Awesome. I, I have no additional ads about this Cubs White Sox series. It was painful. I hope. The Cubs never pitched to Jose Abreu at Wrigley Field again. Um, But we have a lot more show for you on the flip side. After a quick word from our sponsors, we're going to talk everything about where the Cubs and Tigers are in terms of their offense, their pitchers, um, and what we can expect as the Cubs head to Detroit. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right. We are back. If you read my writing at Bleed Cubby Blue, you know that the Cubs offense is sputtering in a big way. And it's not everybody. Like Ian Happ has been great. Jason Hayward has been great. Jason Kipnis has been great. Maybe the key to the being an offensive superstar on this team right now is that your name needs to be Jason. I don't know. Um, but the big bats, the guys that you expect to see every single day doing damage have really struggled. Chris Bryant just went on the injured list today. He is having, he is off to one of the worst starts of his career. Javi Baez is off to one of the worst starts of his career, although he did hit a double today that looked like he might finally be figuring some things out. Please God, let it be true. Uh, Wilson Contreras has been struggling at the plate. He's walking a lot and he's making hard contact, but that doesn't do a lot when everything gets caught and, or he's striking out 26% of the time. It is rough uh, with this offense right now. They're very feast or famine. Um, I am (laughs) not entirely convinced that they fixed it today. They kind of eked out two runs on a Kyle Schwarber home run. And I don't know. I'd I'd like to see some more timely hitting. The Cubs have had just an abysmal time with the bases loaded. Getting the bases loaded at this point almost feels like a curse. It's like, oh, no, the bases are loaded. We're not going to do anything. Ah, it's, it's kind of ouch. That's what we're bringing into Detroit. What do you guys bring into the table with the Cubs coming in to visit?
1: Chris, go and... Oh, well, all right, sorry. Yeah, um, well, like I said before, it, it's... Uh, <laughs> the offense has been really, really hit or miss. Um, you know, our star player, Miguel Cabrera, is uh, once again having a terrible season, and it, it's kind of mystifying a little bit. I mean, we think he's injured again or favoring his leg. But he's still hitting the ball really hard. It's just he's not hitting enough. Uh, I don't know. It's it's painful to see, uh, you know, once great hitter just look like a shell of himself. But it's been, other than that, there there hasn't been really anybody super consistent. You know, CJ Crone was solid, uh, but he's out for the year. Jonathan Scope has been uh, probably their most consistent hitter. But the problem with him is he's a guy who just doesn't ever walk. So he, he'll consistently hit a home run like every three or four games. But that's about it. Uh, and then... <laughs> And then it's been like a series of kind of streaky uh, players. We had Jacoby Jones, their center fielder, was the hottest hitter on the team for the first month, uh, or first first week and a half, I guess, not a month. And he's just been kind of uh, iffy since then. But then Jamer Candelario, their former third baseman, now first baseman, former Cub, uh, you may remember him, has oh, been yeah. pr- probably their best hitter over the last two, three weeks, I'd say, maybe longer since the Pittsburgh series. And then Nico Goodrum, their shortstop, had a, a big game today. So it's, it's just... You know, there's just not a lot of consistency. They did bring up Isak Paredes, uh, another former Cub, of course, and he's, he's been kind of a very uh, welcome addition to the lineup, and he hasn't hit a ton until the last few, day, few games, but just his uh, approach at the plate and his at-bats. You know, he takes five, six pitches in and at-bat, and it's just something we haven't seen. The Tigers have a lot of guys who go up there to swing, and that's it. Uh, so that's been nice, but, yeah, I wouldn't expect any sort of th- – there might be one offensive breakout, but then they might just completely shut down in the other two games.
0: Yeah, um, so I'm glad you brought up J. Mark Candelario and Isak. It, it is Isak, right? I'm, I am I did not know him. that when he was in the Cubs farm system.
1: <laughs> we didn't know that until late last year, I think. Yeah, it was just they're, they're calling him Isak or that's what he's going by now. So that's what we're totally doing.
0: Totally cool. Uh, your name is your name. Like you get to say how it's said. But I just was like, wait, what? I have never called him that. Um, Isak Paredes, uh, I, it I'm really excited to see both of those bats, although I imagine there will be some woe is us um, on the north side of Chicago watching <laughs> j Mark Candelario do more damage than our hodgepodge of people playing third base <laughs> right now with Chris Bryant on the IL. Um, I, everything you just said sounds so much like the Cubs that I feel like this series could easily have games that are like 0-0 going into the eighth inning just because everybody strikes out constantly. Or they could be just absolute blowouts like some 10 to 11 nail
1: biter mm-hmm. yeah and in and, and the, the pitching itself the tigers pitching you know you've got uh casey mys going in the first game and and his debut was just about everything you could hope for except maybe he didn't pitch as long as we'd like but you, you saw all his pitches looking really good and uh really poised you know i don't think he walked anybody um so that'll be exciting to see you i don't think that uh well, the, the White Sox are a pretty good offense, as we just saw. So, yeah, the, the Cubs will be a challenge for him, too. But that should be a fun game for for the Cubs fans to see, too. Because, you know, you don't get to face the former number one pick all that often. But then uh, after that, you got Spencer Turnbull, who I think might have the best stuff of any pitcher on the team. But, boy, he's, he's, he's not been able to throw strikes in his last two outings. He only pitched two innings in his last uh, start because he was at, like, 65 pitches. Uh, and then after that, Michael Fulmer, former Rookie of the Year, who still building up his arm, but he's been getting up four or five runs every three innings, too. So it, the, the pitching, it should be kind of exciting, but uh, the, I think the Cubs could probably get to him.
0: Uh, Fulmer is really interesting to me, because if I recall correctly, once upon a time when you all had Fulmer and Verlander at the same time, and the Cubs were kind of looking for some arms, I vaguely recall the there being rumors of like a Schwarber for Fulmer straight up trade. And I, I believe the Cubs said no to that. I believe that was like too far for Theo to go. He didn't want to be the guy who traded Kyle Schwarber. Um, but I have I have been I don't know just watching from afar. I, I what's happened with Michael Fulmer? He was supposed to be an ace, right?
1: Well, he was yeah. He was a top fifty prospect for the, for sure. I I think the rumor and Roger, you might be able to back me up on this. The rumor we heard here was that the. Tigers wanted Javi Baez for Michael Fulmer. That's correct. Yep, that was the original. Correct. Um, uh, oh wow!
0: So they they might have done the Schwarber deal, but not the Baez deal.
1: You know, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know what, but uh, yeah, I mean, Fulmer he was really you know solid as a rookie, and his second year was another you know, impressive year. But then he got hurt. He got hurt uh, in, in tw- late 2018, I think, and his missed he missed all of 2019 with Tommy John surgery. Well, first he had knee surgery, right? That's what happened. He had knee surgery in 2018, I believe. And then you know they're trying to get him to change the way he was pitching, which never works out well. And sure enough, you know he, he uh, you know you messed up the kinetic chain or whatever, and he blew out his arm in spring training in 2019. Uh. So he just came back. He would have been back in July anyway, I think. So the you know the shortened season didn't change much for him. But yeah, I mean he's still just trying to figure it out again. You know he's he's not. Uh, I think his velocity is about about the same as it was. You know, well no, ninety four like two miles an hour. So never mind. Yeah, yeah ninety four or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it might just be the long process back from, from Tommy John surgery, or I, I don't know, he might just end up being a bullpen guy in the future.
0: Uh, Chris brought up Casey Mize, who I am super stoked to see, and and Cubs fans, you will see him tomorrow, that is Monday, uh, in this series opener, facing off against Alec Mills. Roger, what do you see from Casey Mize?
2: A really good split-finger fastball. <laughs> um, no, it's, it, honestly, for, for us, for somebody that Watching as much as the, the prospects factor, it's a certain poise out there. I think that we're you know I I was a little worried about his shoulder because of his you know his injuries and he was shut down last year and, and coming up from Erie, but he threw a no hitter in his first appearance and and that was you know a kind of like moment because as prospect when you look at the Tigers prospects in terms of pitchers, there's nothing to be too excited for. Say outside of Verlander, Chris. If I'm being fair, in the last 25 years, I mean, there's been anybody that we've got. Yeah, I
1: mean, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just remember. You know, Porcello was people were looking for Porcello, and then Jacob Turner and stuff. But then they traded Turner, and and yeah, beyond that, you know, in the last in the last ten years, not not much at all.
2: But in terms of it, Casey Mize's makeup out there, I think he against even against Chicago, a lineup like that, I thought he did a good job of setting up getting command early and if you look at his pitch mix too in terms of just what I really liked about his start was that he didn't look I mean outside of like the psychological thing just looking at some of it some of his pitch selection, I honestly just seven strikeouts against that lineup and was able to you know did he hold himself like in terms of holding runners and all that like sometimes you see those rookie mistakes where they they let runners go and what have you and and i didn't see that from him at all and uh, i know it's outside that home run i mean he was he worked his way out the best he could and what i thought he, he expected he did better than i anticipated based off the fact that here we are in for the for for myself i not that i have low expectations i guess it's just i didn't know what to expect because, we, like I said, outside of Erie, but what Tiger fans should be excited about is the movement on his pitches. Everything had movement on it, Chris. I mean, he was, what was it? He had, in addition to the split finger, I thought his fastball looked pretty good. I thought he was setting that up well. And he had a...
1: It was using like a it was a knuckle curve or something like that, but the how they they uh, yeah they classified it. Yeah, he's got a, a cutter that's yeah. like a cut slider. It's like eighty eight, 9, 90 miles an hour that he throws pretty well, and and yeah, most of his strikeouts came on the the, the splitter. But yeah, they were you, you brought up some good points. Rather, there were two points in that game that I like really impressed me. The first one was so he gave up that home run to Encarnacion, which is going to happen, uh, and then the next pitch, I think Nomar Mazara hit a, a double that missed being a homer for like by like two feet. And so you're like, oh, here, here it goes. And then he, he wasn't rattled at all. He, he, in fact, I think like two pitches later, he got a grounder back to him, and he noticed that Mazara was trying to go to third, so he just threw to third and got the runner out and was like, oh, all right, this kid is poised, he's not rattled, he's fine. And then the, the other thing was, I think he struck out Abreu on like three pitches in one at bat, maybe four, and Abreu just gave him the head nod. Like, like yeah, all right, that's pretty good. That's so awesome. that was, I don't know, that was cool.
0: Uh, I love stuff like that. I love when rookies come up and they're just like not flustered by the game at all. They're just like, I I was born to be here and here I am. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Casey Mize tomorrow night. I, I am hoping the Cubs come out on top of that one, obviously, but I am looking forward to seeing Mize pitch and I... I'm really thrilled um that the Tigers brought him up. I was I think I might have tweeted free Casey Mize once or twice. <laughs> uh, um Tuesday it looks like we've got a matchup of TBD, the always dangerous TBD versus Spencer Turnbull. And I'm just gonna tell you, I think TBD is either Adbert Alzale, uh Jose Quintana if he is well enough to pitch, or Colin Ray, who y'all may remember from I believe he was on the Tampa Bay Rays a while back. Um those are those are the three suspects I think might get that start. Uh, you were talking a lot about Fulmer earlier. Can you? What can y'all tell me about Turnbull?
2: Well, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the, the one thing I can lead you off with Turnbull is that he is not allowed a home run the season. Even I mean he labored through his last start against Chicago, which to me I don't know about you, Chris, but I came away as a miracle he did not allow a home run. Um, yeah. But the last couple starts, the one thing I have noticed is that he has not been challenging hitters. He's been Away, away, kind of trying to draw contact. apparently speaking, to his first couple starts against Cincinnati, where he's pounding the zone and and his sliders one of the one of the best so far analytically in baseball. And but in the last couple starts, I just feel like I don't know, Chris. I just feel like he's been maybe it's a mindset or something along those lines. But it just seems like he's trying to nibble too much.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. He's one of those pitchers where nothing he throws is straight. It just seems like everything's moving all over the place, and it's got to be really hard for hitters. But then we saw the White Sox just basically lay off everything, and he was throwing stuff right on the the, the edges, and they're like, eh, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a his four-seamer, he's got a sinker, he throws a slider, he throws a change-up, he's got a curveball that he throws occasionally. So it's a lot of stuff, but like Roger said, the big thing with him is he's, he's not been throwing enough strikes, and it does seem he'll get ahead of guys like 0-2. And then throw like four pitches trying to get them to chase instead of just challenging them. and uh it seems like something he's now to fix. I don't know his his mechanics are a little bit wonky too. It almost feels like he's falling backwards off the mound at times but uh but he's a big, strong guy with a big arm, and when he's on, he can go seven innings and not give up any runs. uh It's just you know it's, <laughs> most of the time it's more like four or five innings and five walks or something so it he reminds me a little bit of back in the day of Andrew Kashner. I don't know if uh, you remember him.
0: Oh yeah, he was a cub. Yeah, Andrew Ka- the Cubs turned Andrew Kashner into Anthony Rizzo, and yeah. I thought that was a great magic trick.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can hope hope for that. People, some people want the Tigers to trade Turnbull because they've got him for like four and a half years.
2: I don't uh, trust. Uh, but... I don't trust Al to do that though. Unfortunately, sorry, Alvillo. <laughs> it's going not happen.
0: Um, in terms of that game, I think the Cubs, the Cubs starters. I, I I'll tell you what I think. I, I have no idea who's actually going to get this game. Ray has been fine. He's like. Not great, not terrible, but can probably give you three or four innings. I, I could totally see him getting blasted on a start that just went the wrong, went south or went the wrong way. I have no idea what to expect from Jose Quintana, who has not thrown a single pitch for the Cubs this year. He uh, hurt a nerve in his throwing hand thumb doing the dishes right before summer camp oh, and wow. had to have microsurgery done to, like, reconnect the nerve. So – who knows? I mean, there are good reports out of South Bend, but nobody has actually seen Jose Quintana throw a pitch in 2020, and it's not like he was lights out before he was. My thing with Quintana is that he is either excellent or terrible. Like he's like the girl in the nursery rhyme. Uh, it's I don't know. I if he's good, he's very very good, and when he is bad, he is horrid. Um, Albert Azalea had a great start, an absolutely great spot start in a doubleheader against the Cardinals. He threw five innings. He struck out six. He only walked one batter. He um, only allowed one run and it wasn't earned. I, I thought uh, Alzalay really proved that he should stay with this team. And frankly, I think he's earned this start, but the Cubs have not announced him yet. Um, to bounce back to Monday's matchup, Alec Mills has had a lot of excellent starts and one bad one. The, the St. Louis Cardinals really uh, rocked his world in one of those double headers. But prior to that, Mills has kind of looked like a miniature Kyle Hendricks and he's pitching with a chip on his shoulder. Um, So he's kind of a command artist, you know, very much painting the corners, those types of things. He can be dangerous when he's on. Um, And and that brings us to the final matchup on Wednesday between John Lester and Michael Fulmer. And y'all talked a bit about Fulmer, but I'll just say Lester has also had a bunch of great starts and then one. Really terrible one where it basically looked like he was throwing batting practice to the White Sox.
1: Well, they yeah they're they're not very friendly to lefties. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> God, that team just murdered John Lester on the mound. It was terrible.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about Alec Mills because he's a guy that I just I hadn't heard much about, and then I yeah I saw some nice stats from him. But uh, you no, know, the one thing about the the Fulmer start, I'm trying to they they've only been using him for like three innings at a time. He's kind of a glorified opener, and I'm trying to remember who they're piggybacking with him. Roger, do you remember?
2: Uh, for full uh, I wanna say Garcia. I thought it was Garcia because he hasn't pitched. Yeah, any.
1: I think you're right. Ronnie Garcia their their rule five pick. That sounds about right. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it uh yeah. I don't uh, know. It's I,
0: interesting you know. that he's kind of doing the opener thing. I'm I'm curious to see how we'll adjust the lineup or if we will at all for that.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing. You know, they they, they did uh they're not doing it the way you would expect. So today they had Tarek Skubel, a lefty. Go for two and a third, and then they brought in Daniel Norris, a lefty, for th- <laughs> three and two thirds. So I was like, "Yeah, that doesn't really, you know, screw with the lineup that much." And I think th- I thought the yeah, Fulmer's a righty, and then Ronnie Garcia is a righty too. So not, uh, I don't know, maybe they're playing three D chess and we don't realize it. But
0: no, the Cubs had kind of a similar issue with the way their rotation was set up, where for a while um, they had Hendricks and Mills back to back, and if that ha- if the same team saw Kyle Hendricks and then Alec Mills. It was basically watching the same pitcher, right? Because you're looking at a guy who throws 87 miles an hour and paints the corners. <laughs> and they finally mixed that up when they got that long layoff when the Cardinals series got postponed um, earlier because of the coronavirus. But that was a real nerve-wracking thing in uh, Cubs circles because we were like, oh, it's not a great idea to like let a team watch six innings of Kyle Hendricks followed by six innings of Alec Mills.
1: Yeah, it, it yeah, it seems like it's counterintuitive, but uh, I don't know. I guess that at this point, teams are just using any arms they can get. And for a while there, the Tigers didn't have – I guess they still haven't had – I didn't remember yesterday, but uh, Boyd went five yesterday, didn't you? Oh, yeah, five and one-thirds. And then, uh, yeah. They had a stretch of like 10, 11 starts where nobody went more than four and a third innings or four and two-thirds innings. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's Ooh, been that's rough. rough. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and considering that Ian Nova – Ivan Nova, I don't think is going to be coming back this season, and even then, they're talking about Jordan Zimmerman throwing bullpen sessions and oh, right. throwing the live hitters on Friday, which we're all like, "No, no, stay away!" <laughs> and you with, all the, even with all the how short we are on, or excuse me, how short the Tigers are on arms, I don't want no Jordan Zimmerman nor near the field. I'm sorry, no offense or anything, but it's just it just would make things worse, at least in my opinion, with the way the ball's been traveling out with all the home runs. And you see his his ERA last year, close to seven, and he allowed a lot of – I forgot how many home runs last year he allowed, but no, I'm good. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no need to bring in a guy who's going to throw more batting practice for the White Sox. Um, Well, let's just do some quick takes before we close out this episode. I really appreciate y'all sharing your knowledge of the Tigers with some Cubs fans today before the start of this series. I mean, what is one thing each of you are looking for from a player? It could be a bat. It could be an arm as this series kicks off tomorrow. And Roger, I'll start with you.
2: Well, one of the things I'm looking forward to as a, because I'm always interested in how other teams are doing in the, in just from the national NL central is our, our counterpart really is I, I'm just interested in to see. And you wrote this a really good piece about the Cubs starters and, and kind of seeing a little bit more of their staff because I don't know really nothing about their bullpen outside of what I see numbers wise. But uh, honestly, that and also the really something because uh, he, he's on my fantasy team, so it's selfish to say this. But Nico Homer, in terms of just seeing him out there, if he's going to get some time, hopefully. Uh, and from also another thing I'm looking forward to for the Cubs from a Tiger standpoint, too, is. The chance to see Kyle Schwarber because the guy, it's just for his size, he's kind of always exceeded expectations. The guy can hit, he can rake, and the factor that now that the universal DH is out and what have you, it's it's really cool to see him out there more often. So um, Schwarber is one of my favorite players on there, and just because, again, just for his size and what he is able to do, and just can flat out hit. And for whatever reason, I, I just feel like Tigers fans should watch out for that because I feel like he's a Tiger killer written all over him. For whatever reason, just because the way his ball is the approach at the plate, his power—I don't know um, what is—he has an average exit velocity of ninety-four point three. I mean, it's just—it's yeah, pretty good. I mean, yeah, he can he can do that. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: Kyle Schwar- Schwarber can definitely murder a baseball. Um, I think the only higher exit velocity on the team right now might be Wilson Contreras. And I say might because that might have shifted over the last game or two. Uh, Chris, what are you looking forward to?
1: Well, yeah, from a Cubs perspective, I'd, I'd like to see Al uh a pitch. I don't think I've ever actually seen him. He was a, a pretty highly touted prospect for a long time. Um, and I'd like to see what's going on with Ian Happ because uh, it seems like you know, he had a, a nice, really nice rookie campaign, and then it seemed like things got a little bit rough for him. And then especially last year, I think he got sit down, didn't he?
0: Yes, for most of uh, the season. Um, yeah, and
1: so, so he, he, for us, like, there were times we're like, hey, man, go try trade for him. Uh, but it, it's nice to see what appears to be a bounce back from him. I'm kind of curious to see what he looks like this year.
0: I am so stoked about Ian Hap, And, you know, props where it's due. Uh, credit to friend of the show, Michael Serrani, who came on in the offseason and just, like, lost his mind for about five minutes on the show about Ian Happ. But I, I I think everything he said is absolutely correct. The kid is 26 years old. He is a switch hitter with power. He can play center. He can play second. He can play any other position in the outfield. Um, and look, he was striking out a tremendous amount of the time. So in 2018, when he got set, be- or 2019, sorry, when he started the season in AAA and stayed there, for the vast majority of the season that happened because he had been striking out like 40% of the time. I don't know exactly what he worked on in AAA. He, he has said that it was different things at different times. Like he would do one month working on one part of his swing, another month working on a different part of his swing. And so even the stats from triple a are not, um, they don't tell the whole story of what he was trying to piece together down there. But when he came back, he hit the longest home run for the Cubs in 2019 And never looked back. If you look at his OPS right now from last September to now, it rivals every big bat in the game. He's up there with Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, everybody. I think the last time I looked, it was 1,200. So I don't know what's going on with Ian Happ, but he is on fire. And he has basically taken over that leadoff spot that nobody on the Cubs seems to want with Chris Bryant on the injured list. And he hit a home run and then hit a double right after it. So I don't think he's intimidated by it at all.
2: And it's WRC plus is one seventy four. And sir, I was the one thing I was going to ask you about Ian Happ too. In terms of, I know with Iowa and and the PSL especially last year, you saw a lot of the numbers offensively that were apparently speaking. And there wasn't a big difference in gap, right, Chris? In terms of international league, right? In terms of a uh, difference in power numbers, because I know they, they were both using juice balls, but it felt like the PCL every every everybody in Iowa was like hitting fifteen or twenty home runs. It, Dixon Machado, yeah, Dixon Machado, yeah, former Tiger. Uh, farmhand was, yeah, he had 15 home runs for Iowa in his time there, but in terms of even his approach down there and, and, what he was able to pick up, was there a certain instructor or coach or somebody down there that really, or was it just kind of like he was off to his own, like Jacoby Jones, for example, had a, t- a person outside the organization to help them with his swing. Um, perhaps I, I may have missed that. So I just want to know if there was somebody that may have made or helped them that was within the organization.
0: That's a great question. I haven't heard a name in particular. I Everything that I have read and listened to on this indicates that it was more about they wanted him to spend a bunch of time working on a couple of what they saw as, as glaring holes in his game. And, and if you look at his numbers in 2018, I mean, the strikeout rate just really stands out. It, it's pretty clear that he was getting beat on um, high fastballs, like badly, just like real badly Um, and he was also struggling with some other out pitches like you know some of those off-speed pitches as well and so he just couldn't quite put together and at that that was at the level um that the team wanted him to have and and they I guess they made a decision and, and frankly I'm glad they did it they did this with Kyle Schwarber too if you remember in 2017 where they just said look go down for a while work on a few things and come back, and we're not we're not sending you down because we think that you can't do this. We're sending you down because we think you can. Um, and both of them came back and kind of retooled the way that they approach the game considerably, and it it's paid dividends. I mean, I Kyle Schwarber has kind of cooled off a little bit, but he is one of the few Cubs bats that is not struggling right now, and that you know that's that's good news. So. I am thrilled for what's going on with Ian Happ. He is a little bit of a defensive downgrade in center field from Albert Almora Jr., but he's such an offensive upgrade that it doesn't even matter. <laughs> he would obviously rather have Ian Happ in the lineup every day.
2: Chris, remember when we wanted Steve Souza uh, Jr.? And he seems like he's kind of struggling. Uh, I don't uh,
1: recall that at all, no. No,
2: I uh, remember uh, we were talking
1: about... No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no, on uh, the yeah, I.L. No. <laughs> i I, I
0: actually susa got super hot and i was so excited about it in fact if you look at his like last two week numbers or whatever he's got a wrc plus of like 207 because he was just mashing the ball and then he hurt his hamstring and i was so sad
2: okay that's it's good to know because we were i I, maybe it was maybe it was in the mcb chat chris before you came along i don't know somebody was mentioning that he would be a good possibility i I thought we talked about on the podcast Um.
1: We probably did. I was just joking. I, oh. I, was, cause I haven't actually paid attention to him in a long time. I thought maybe he was not good. But I'll tell you one very specific thing I'd like to see uh, from the Tigers. And I would like to see I'd like to see an extra inning game that somehow magically goes like 14 innings that we get to see Daniel Norris bat in Wrigley Field again. <laughs> oh, shoot. This is going to be a Comerica. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. I just one of my favorite uh, moments of the last four or five years was Daniel Norris. His first, uh, his first major league at bat hit a home run to center field at Wrigley. It was awesome
0: that's incredible. Uh that's now, one of the things here. one of the things that the Cubs did manage to do I don't remember what series it was. It was whatever series Wilson Contreras got ejected by Tim Timmons for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it was the Cardinals series. I maybe the I don't know. I don't remember who they were playing cuz that wasn't the most important part of the game for me. But because Wilson Contreras got ejected and the Cubs have been DHing with Victor Caratini cuz he's an outstanding hitter but he's the backup catcher so they want him to get as many at-bats as possible um, they wound up putting Victor Caratini into the catcher spot which meant they lost their DH and all of a sudden pitchers had to hit again <laughs> so I was joking on Twitter that like all, everybody who thought they'd never get to see pitchers hit again was wrong because David Ross found a way <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I guess we don't uh, Yeah, Tigers don't go to Wrigley this year, huh? Yeah, pretty lame. That's a bummer.
2: I still, yeah, so make a pandemic
0: <laughs> baseball, yeah.
2: pandemic baseball, huzzah!
0: <sighs> I mean, <laughs> it's better than no baseball, but it's still pretty weird. Definitely. Uh, that's about as good of a note as I can possibly imagine to close out this particular episode of Cup of Cubby, Cup of Cubby Blue, plus uh, Tigers Srd. I really appreciate both of you coming on. If our listeners are looking for you on Twitter or on social media, where can they find you? Roger, you go first.
2: Uh you can find me at Rogcast eighty one. I also uh, also you can follow our Twitter page or i just draw a blank uh our uh our account or let me try that again our podcast page at Tigers and of course you can find me at rogcast eighty one.
1: And I'm uh Chris Brown oh nine one four because there are too many Chris Browns <laughs>
0: As always, I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy, who is getting ready for the start of the school year, which I'm sure we will hear about on the next episode, is at BRYZ underscore blue. We're both at Cup of Cubby Blue, and we will be back in just a few days with everything you need to know about three games against the Tigers in Detroit. We're so grateful to Roger and Chris for joining us today. And until next time, have a great one. Go Cups.